All right, fantastic. Um, all right, so here, here's what I want to do, you guys. First of all, let me just remind you of a few things as we're going through this, and then I want to hear from each of us and have a chance for each of us to get a little bit of feedback uh, to one another. So vision teaching, Genesis, uh, life of Joseph, a few reminders and just some, some, some marks of uh, what makes for uh, thinking biblically about vision. I do think we need to think biblically about vision. I think we need to think theologically about vision. Because it is one of a leader's best friends. Matter of fact, one thing that I thought after I taught on it with you guys, I didn't do enough on, is um, it is, I, did, I mentioned this, but it is one of the most important ways in which we don't make the ministry that we're leading about us. So everyone says, I don't want it to be about me. Well, you need to have tools and ways to not, so that it doesn't become about you. And vision articulated and consistently engaged can actually help an organization be about that rather than about you. That's actually just purely pragmatics, right? Now you add into it the prophetic element of vision, whereby you've heard from the Lord, this has been discerned as a word from the Lord, you've not only put pragmatically another idea in the middle of the organization, which in itself I think is very helpful, but you actually prophetically put something from the Lord in the middle of the organization. So now the organization has this opportunity to gain strength and to activate around a prophetic ministry of the Lord's. And um, this has been really, truly one of the secrets to Resurrection's fruit. Um, this is one reason why I think we've had the growth we've had and the fruit we've had and the, um, the ministry that God's given Resurrection is that we really, truly, early on got clear about who God was calling us to be in that vision. We've had a few different visions now through the years that I've talked about with you guys. Uh, it's been a month now or so since we did the teaching. We got clear about that. We put that in the center. And for example, when we knew many years ago we needed to church plant, right? That actually gave us the freedom to church plant because it wasn't about a particular leader and even their certain giftings. I mean, I didn't start as a church planter. So it wasn't, it wasn't as if, if the church is built around me and I'm not a church planter, how much church planting are you actually going to do? If it's built around you, you're basically limited by your leader. And you still have limitations that you have in a leader, but you're really limited. If you have a vision, obviously when it's building a sanctuary transformation in those days, it wasn't hard to say, well, if we're building a sanctuary transformation here at Resurrection, what a joy it would be to build a sanctuary transformation up in Minneapolis, right? So that vision gave us freedom to bear fruit. And it gave me a lot of freedom to shift um, and to go, well, we're gonna go this direction, we're gonna go this direction. So again, vision and a clearly articulated vision is one of the leader's best Somebody sends an email and they're upset with something, um, and they and they want to engage it in a way. What I've what I've been helpful is it, it often becomes personal. So they're upset with you about something. Is well, I want to own whatever I need to own. They're upset about. I want to learn whatever I can learn about what they're upset about. And I still have to go through this process. Even at this point, in my leadership. What can I learn? What can I own? I also be able to say to them, well, let me be clear. Um, the thing to be upset about more than me, and I'll own it, or my part in this is, is our vision. So are you upset about the vision? Do you agree with the vision? Inviting everyone into a transformed relationship with Jesus in this church it implies transformation, if we can change. It implies evangelism, we believe in conversion. It implies the combination of Jesus and his church. We believe in a robust Christology, out of which flows an ecclesiology, out of which flows our missiology. Laura talked about that already, right? All that's in that statement, by the way. It's all in that statement. Inviting everyone to a transformed relationship with Jesus in the church. So I'm able to say to somebody they're upset. If you're upset with me, let's see what we can work out, and let me apologize if I need to apologize, but also, 
mean, let me let me just be what I'm called to be. But let's not make it all about me. If you're upset with me, I'd actually rather get clear. Are you upset about the vision? Do you agree with the vision? Are you called to the vision? Maybe they don't. I don't like the ecclesiology of the vision. Well, that's actually really helpful that you don't agree with an ecclesiology that puts Jesus and his church together. This isn't the place for you. Lots of great churches in this area. So we can be okay. I can bless you. Um, you know, etc. So that vision, again, allows you even in some conflict situations to be able to objectify and go, you know, after the personal work, let's, let's, let's be here. Can you agree with this? I think I shared with you all, I had a key leader come to me um, when we were in the vision, building a sanctuary transformation, and said, I've got to the point where I can't agree with your theology of transformation. I think it's naive. Um, I think it takes into account suffering and the incremental nature of change in our lives. And I listened really carefully. They're a person of significant influence and they're a good thinker. And I thought, okay, where do I need to maybe nuance more than understand transformation? Where I need to build out a biblical theology of transformation, Romans 12, 2 Corinthians 3. Um, but also, after I did all that, we're going to go back to them. I said, no, I've done more work. And I think this is true. And I need to receive this. I can change here. But fundamentally, actually, I, I think building a transformation is what we're looking for. And it's like, fundamentally, I just can't agree with you on that. Building a whole vision around the word transformation. I said, well, actually, isn't this helpful? I mean, you know, there was a hard lunch meeting, but it wasn't horrible. It wasn't bloody. Yeah. Um, and so I said, you know, I can't even preach anymore. And they didn't like it, but they couldn't deny the fact that it was consistent. In other words, this is your church's vision. This is what we've had a dialogue about it. It wasn't reactive. I didn't just say, well, you can't preach the moment. Do a process with them. I honored their thinking. But I asked to put them in a position where they had to honor the vision, right? And at one level, it wasn't personal. I can still have good relations with this person, and I do. Because um, at the end of the day, it wasn't about stewards. It was about a sanctuary transformation. This will help you over and over again. So trust me. It's just going to... So as you learn to do this um, as a leader, whether it's uh, working through conflict with a small group about what you're going to be and what you're going after and who you're going to be, or conflict in a mission, conflict in a church, um, I think you'll conflict in your marriage. You know, what's our marriage vision? Let's go back to that. Um, what are we called to do? We're making a really key decision in our marriage. Um, how do we think this through? This can just help you in so many ways. So that's mission, vision. I use this one interchangeably. Vision is a gift from the Lord, which it comes from the outside in. That's why we use the idea of a nocturnal dream. And Joseph is a gift given to us. Um, it's what we hold. It has prophetic influence and power, uh, which is why um, it also has a future element, which is that it's a seeing. So one thing that may, may often when you do your first draft of a vision statement, it sometimes needs more, more future to it, by the way. So we'll talk about that some. It just it has that element, too, where you don't want a vision statement where everything's been done. Right? Um, there's a way in which you're trying to get there. For example, resurrection culture is not invitation only. It is not invitation only. Um, so to have Lendrum inviting everyone actually creates a challenge for us in saying it. We're not as invitational as we want to be. We don't have the kind of radical hospitality we want to have. So there's an aspirational element to vision that actually is always there holding you accountable. And folks will say, well, we're not doing that. You say, exactly. We want to do that. We want to do this. Um, all right. So any questions about that? Again, just as we do a quick re review before we just jump into some of what you guys are working on and praying about and phrasing out.
Um, how about we write? I, I kind of write what you've been working on up there so we can all see it. Does that sound good? Um, that way we can just participate together in the process a little bit more. So I'd love to hear if you've got a vision phrase or a vision words or whatever. Let's write it up. And then um, we'll write it up. We'll, we'll, we'll do some just some discussing together, kind of workshopping together, ask questions about it, things that make sense to you. Um, we've got 60 minutes. How many do we have of us? I'm going to put magazines together, right? So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Um, so that's nine of us in 60 minutes. Somebody else? Six to seven minutes each. So seven minutes each. Can somebody do that? Time that? You guys know from the five M's, I will never do it. <laughs> I will never stick to it. I will never, I will do it. But we should do it. I want to write yeah, 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 it. Yeah. All right, thanks. So so are we aiming for like a three minute presentation and like three minutes of feedback? Alice, I don't even know how you got that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, we even got to that. I should be like, let's just do this. And I get so into it that like we'll get three done, right? And then we'll just like Right? And then if you're like, man, I got a lot of attention. Um, so, thank you. Let's do three plus four. Yeah. That works. Hey, the clock's running. Somebody get out there. We oh, nominate the magazines. Okay. Oh, the magazine nominated. Yeah.
Okay, good. Let's let the person start us with hers. Walk us through the thoughts in here. Um, uh, just kind of, you can just kind of walk us through it, and also give us um, what you feel like are the aspirational or kind of the seeing of like here's where I like I need to go in this. Like where I'm, like what's the vision of where I want to get to, and also why you wrote what you wrote. And say it to us, I'm sorry, and say it to us. Oh, okay. that there, we just... Sure, I don't know if I'm right, but I'm sorry. Yeah. Walk with God and enjoy, strengthen, nurture family, friends, flock to help them discern, develop, and deploy their calling. I kind of see it as a kind of a multiple context. So, first of all, family, my first disciples, to just enjoy them. I want that to be part of my, just enjoy family, enjoy, mm. strengthen. Tell us what, what in that feels especially aspirational. In other words, I'm not there yet. This is where I need God's power. I need God's help to get there. What's kind of, this is the future and I want to get there more. In other words, if I pulled everything else out and I want to let you have three words or four words or a phrase, what would you say? This is this is the most important. But first, give us the aspirational elements, like, like you just did, so we can see it highlighted. Areas that okay, this is going to the future. That's pink. Okay, so we kind of have walk with God, right? 
to be able to discern, develop, and deploy. Amen. All right? Okay, any, any, any questions or thoughts or things you observe? You know Kirsten too, so.
I like to counterweight you guys with these three pieces to become a lifelong disciple. Because obviously, this in itself is still not Chad. To become utterly subjective, right? This is not you. I'm not worried about that. But I, I like the. What's that? Almost magical. <laughs> Almost fairy like. Yes. I received feedback. Yeah. <laughs> You're a learner. Uh, yeah, so I, I, like, I like this twin. I, I think it's a really engaging pairing. It's like you get a little to experience Jesus, but not just so they can have the experience, right? The lifelong disciple. So can you mean a lifelong disciple with the phrase that you mark? And I agree, that's really. Well, that's good stuff. All right. Thanks, you guys. Mm -hmm. Woo -hoo. It's not really loud. Yeah, thank you for erasing that because I feel like you're erasing your vision. Your home. No, not
So that was part of the process of a like involving people as we talked about during our previous um, time of talking it through, talking it through with the people that were closer to us. Um, yeah. So see if there's. I don't know if there were other points. That's my phrase. Okay. Well, um, respond to becoming versus being. Yeah. I'd like to hear some more people's thoughts about that, you guys, and also, you know, it, it's it's uh, okay. So this is interesting, great too, because we had personal ministry vision statements that Chad and Kirsten are working out. Now we got a very specific team vision. So two different applications of this, which is great. Um, so interact with that. Interact with the, obviously you should put a core phrase in the center. Open doors for some interaction.
So I think one thing else that's interesting about this, and um, I, I like the image of the book too, is what a vision does, it actually creates questions around um, and helps me to prioritize based on the vision, the imagery and the vision, what we'll do and what we won't do. So I'm, I would be curious, be a fun conversation. Okay, if we're all about being, becoming the open door to resurrection, that's what we're all about. What does that mean we're going to try to do first? Like if, if, I'm, if I'm revisioning ministry, what are my priorities now? Like what has to happen first that we're going to do the open door? And what maybe some things that we may not even do the next six months that are not as open door important, there are other importance. I don't know. Welcome to ministry. Well, I want to know what I might prioritize. But I'm saying open, we're first about all about open door. Then that means other things aren't going to happen as much, right? Um, becoming a sanctuary transformation, that was our thing, whatever it was. Um, we actually did, honestly, we did less evangelism in those days because we were so much about trying to just develop a local church culture. So a vision does push you to say, what are you doing right now? And so that would be fun to explore with your team. If we're in on this and we love this, what are we doing now to be open door? And then what are we doing in time to be open door? And what would we not do? All right, great stuff. We're going around, we're going clockwise. Are we? I think we are. We are. We're doing it. We're going clockwise. Let's do it. So mine is somewhat personal, but it's specifically related to my work in music. There's a lot of times here, and I also teach um, elementary school and middle school kiddos. So my draft night is
Say more about why, I mean, you just said some already, but give us more about why presence is so important to you to be present. Yeah, I, I think what music does, or, or what art should do, is wake us up. We're, we're just going through life, things are humdrum, things are normal, things are the way they've always been, and we take for granted the way things are. And what art does is that it recasts things, um, or, it, or it magnifies them. I really like the idea of a magnifying glass. When you see something differently, you recognize the one thing that you're seeing, whether that be this emotion of anger is totally magnified. So far, the two words that popped out the most are, are present and focused. Um, even visually, if you had like some sort of logo, I mean, this is just the, the, the pairing of those in, in relationships. Some, some, something that's focused and really like almost pointed, but then something that's present that's very intense and very just set instead of directional. Um, so it's in some ways, it's you've got a direction and then you've got a place to get to. Um, I don't um, that's what was, yeah, if that was in, with intended or not, but it's really cool to see those two. And even like musical expression, music is important, but interestingly, musical is not the word that pops out, it's focus. But, at least for me, maybe it's different for others. God's work, that he chose to use God's work versus like to God or to, you know, like that has a lot of meaning to it. Um, it's almost maybe because like music is a, a work of itself like there's artistic work that goes into like creating music and then also like um, even experiencing it where you can see how God also in this really artistic beautiful way is there's a parallelism almost you know um, yeah yeah like even just something that's like considered emotional like music you're seeing the the orderedness of how God beautifully moves
the yeast magnify. You like that word. Yeah. And that should give you an image. So I don't know if it's magnify, it's if you use yeast here or somewhere else. Um, we, you might awaken as well. So you got called, maybe you have awaken. Again, we're just playing there. What does it mean? Um, so I thought that was really interesting. What other words did um, actually, I also mentioned work. So again, we're just playing. But it's interesting to kind of see a parallel here, you know, is it, is it kind of mag, you know, music that's magnified, musical work, which fellows with God's work. So I think it's significant. Oh, I, I, I awaken, I find it very fresh, yeah. um, right? And so you've got some biblical thinking in there, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's a vivid word, and that seems really important to you. You see musical expression awakening in people, longing, connection with the Lord. Um, there's a lot of stuff, I guess, about being present. So yeah, I think the one thing I would work on is, um, as, you're, as you're thinking this through, is, is to have some words that have even more vivid nature to them. And I, this word is very important to you. So you got to think about this. You use that like five times in your verbal explanation before we even started messing with it. Then you used it again. And then you use this a lot too. So I see also happens when we do this and we start realizing, okay, I wrote this, and I start to explain this. This actually happens when I do preaching prep. I wrote this outline. I give it to Catherine, and I keep saying a certain word over and over again, because I'm trying to find a way to get her to understand what I'm trying to say. And she's like, that's the word you should use, right? <laughs> and so this, this could also help. Yeah. Great stuff. Mm -hmm. oh, this is fun. Yeah, shepherding stuff, deployment stuff, we've got open doors, we've got music. I love when it comes to clap, that that like anchors that
creating a space, being in a space, um, and I think it has to do with a sense of place, which I, th I think it's actually a fresh word. So interact with that, if you will. Like kind of, what are your thoughts about that, or how does that hit you, or that's, that's intriguing, and not a word that's used a lot even in my own generation, but I think it's a really important word, and important what you're trying to do too. So say more about that. I think there's a real sense in which the, the inviting word that you use ties in this space too, because space is generic in the sense that hospitality can happen everywhere. But I think it's specific in that a space where people can meet Jesus, particularly in the vulnerable works of experiencing healing and being evangelized, is very vulnerable space. So that has to be a safe space, I think, like for them to feel safe. And I think that's a big part of what hospitality is, is inviting people into a space where they can open up, can be themselves, and can receive 
the healing power of the work of Jesus for them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I feel like those are tied in a way because you can't force people to open up, yeah. but you can create a space where they themselves decide to open up. Yeah. And that's a huge part of the art of hospitality, I think, particularly yeah. in the church. Yeah. From, yeah. Oh, from Emily's description, that's making me think of a home. And I don't know if that resonates with you. I, I would experiment with different, different types of spaces and, and the specific words that describe those, yeah. because that carries so much meaning as well. Mm-hmm. I remember it's, it feels like to me there's like almost a parallel between this and Reverend's statement like I see healing and evangelizing through your transformation and then you see community church through Jesus Jesus and then I feel like it's like you know inviting people into a transforming relationship with Jesus in his church and then it's the question where and then it's in a space and then you have like one space stuff so I, I, I mean table home yeah. healing space there's yeah. just a lot of great stuff in this yeah and I think beauty is part of it too about gathering around something physical spiritual mm-hmm. art yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. alright all right. as you're erasing it Yay, I'm feeling like point. you have all of these like gems lying on the table currently in this mission statement that you're going to just keep working on stringing and restringing until you get this necklace of this vision statement. There's a lot there.
one invitation into mm -hmm. some sort of friendship or relationship with you, Jesus, and the church. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, that's three things, and in some ways that's all one thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and in some ways the hospitable person in hospitable space is sort of the how you get there, but really the first invitation is into friendship with yourself, or, or mm -hmm. by, like being, by being the first person to, mm -hmm. um, to initiate that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, that's what stands out. the kind of leadership too that I've seen too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That you're going first into a place where you want everyone else to go. Yeah, yeah it's almost a first yes, second yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like being willing to make the, to, to respond to the, you know, the first yes to, to then be able to get others into another yes. And I also think now what you've done is you actually um, have done both vision and strategy. So what I would say here, you could help yourself, is you really have your vision work here, right? And you've got your strategy work down here. And what we're going to do, by the way, uh, Steve, I think you're going to do with us, is working through vision, strategy, operations. Um, so I, th I think because, and I know that one, you're, what you're interested in is not just where we're going, but how we're going to get there. I think we're always interested in it. So um, it's almost like first yes. And you would want your second yes in here, though, right? You want that second yes in here. Which actually kind of gives me an idea. Opportunity. 
write some of it. Okay. Just, just kind of put it in your columns or whatever. aspiration that seems direction not to we haven't talked about direction but that seems like like that's the direction you guys are like you're doing that yeah right it's a planting movement yeah. you're not seeing that yeah 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 i think there's also one of the uh, among our, our peers and fellow missionaries that we're also sowing seeds here in the states of not saying we want this that without losing the punch that the statement already has, the punch and the clarity. Enfolding the people of the Middle East. Because really that, that does get to the fact that you guys, are, it's all about the people, and that's, that's, that's who you kind of love. Um, so, and who do you enfold? The people. movement part does too in so many ways that you know like the many the two elements that we already mentioned but just that that's something that like I as a believer I'd want to be a part of like there's this movement of laborers going out into the harvest they're like like sowing seeds there's that all of that imagery is just so compelling mm-hmm. you know, it's a movement that's happening if they're going to come along yeah. <laughs> it's so compelling yeah I mean sowing seeds it makes you think of the, that passage um, 
Developing a phrase for a large work, and again, we've got you guys are working on personal vision statements, ministry mission, you know, vision statements, and then in this case, we've got really something like a movement mission statement that you guys are trying to do. You feel like you're, as we've discovered in the last two years, we're really on the cusp of some kind of movement that's being worked out in North America. Having a revival word in Sacramento, we want to spirit, we want to work out in the Middle East. So, we want you to do that. This is, this is how it's probably a little different. What we're trying to do. A ministry, ministry one or personal one. So what you guys are working out, right? So when you're all station of life, if you want to, I actually basically we both into balance. You want to hit a balance, and the balance you want to hit is you want to hit. Um, let me say it this way: this kind of mission statement, and this is what we did a lot with planning revival, Lord and sacrament. You want to raise two or three questions with the, with the mission statement, but not ten, but not none. So in other words. You don't want to have a vision statement. Again, that's why I'm not crazy about you know to know God and make Him known. I I hear that God believes it's biblical, but I'm not actually not, I'm not engaged. I'm not like well, tell me more, or I'm, I know what you mean. Um, but if you have a really you know obscure phrase, I, I'm, I got so many questions, I'm not interested. Now, now either I'm I'm bored by it or I'm confused. Um, so you want to actually find that kind of in between thing. It's what we try to do with planning a Bible word and sacraments, like. Wow, the word revival. I know the word revival. That stirs me up. I either like it or don't like it. Very few people are neutral about the word revival, right? So we chose that word. But I had to spend three years teaching that. What do I mean by revival? How do I talk about it? I love to do it. And you, I think you guys are a nice balancer, by the way. So I think, in other words, um, yeah, as a Christian, I have an idea what so many things mean. I'm like, yeah, but what does it mean? Like, in what ways does it apply? That's actually nice, because I go, I get it. I get the phrase, sower, parables, First Corinthians 3. Um, but what do you mean by it? Well, you should tell me, well, I actually have missiological as well as sort of actual ministry, like missiological and ministry implications. Oh, that's interesting. Unpack it for me more. Um, you've got spiritual church as a Christian. I got an idea what you mean by that. Um, but then you get to the word and sacrament. So now I'm going, spiritual word and sacrament church. Out of my own context, if I'm an evangelical, I get this word. I even know these words. You put them all together. Now I'm interested. Um, now, actually, you want to take this idea and this idea, and you want to do this planting movement in the Middle East. Um, so, yeah, what was that? Yeah. So, so what you've done in some ways, and again, I, I think if it's tipped one way or the other, it's tipped toward creating more too many questions, not enough. But I'd rather you tip toward when you're working on the mission statement for your church or your movement, I'd rather you tip toward actually, actually creating a few more questions than too little, personally. I mean, that, that's why I prefer a mission statement if I'm, if I'm receiving one. So like, I'm like, intrigue me enough to draw me in and then answer stuff for me. Um, and so I, I think you may have too many questions, but I think you're asking, you're creating really important questions for me. And again, I, so I think it's, it's packed. Um, you know, I think if, if, you, if you took anything out as you're working on it, you know, it might be this for a season. In other words, right now, which, I mean, this is very aspirational, and it has to be in here. Um, but just sowing seeds for a spiritual church, a word sacrament in the Middle East, I mean, that's that's pretty aspirational. Um, and it may be that, you know, this has seasons and phases that you're ever going to go through. Um, 
All right. Thanks, Takers. Say a little bit more about so this is some of what was happening last year for you, but also this year. Say a little bit more about the introduction. Now we've seen. Okay, yeah. Your, so your vision too. I mean, I feel like this is like a dream I've had for a long time, but now that I've been able to actively pursue because I was doing a music degree and sure. that was like the work that I understand, but the work off it, so I've been the opportunity for it. And I feel like I've done it all while that person. And then the year, so this last year has been sort of reacting to like a lot of crazy things happening and not really being able to kind of do that personal vision of work. <laughs> This is an animated vision for you. This is this is where you want to be. Yeah. Okay, you're ready. Yeah. All right, highlight words for us. Highlight your most important words for us. You can't highlight them all. <laughs>
Sword show and proclaim. Mm -hmm. That's more a personal question, but I have had to wonder if an active speech while I was a work time person, should I only proclaim something when the work time speech calls? Because the response is the same for every I'm sure you said like the relational work of the classroom. Um, yeah, there's just so much like. most targeted statement that we've yeah. seen so far. Yeah. Ellie, you're a woman of many So Christy would get sort of a domestic space or a table space, and Madeline would have a relational, conversational space, and Emily would have a classroom space. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. So you're, you, know, you have a sense, again, each of you can have a sense of, we want to do this work within a place, within a space that's created. And in your case, it's a sense of classroom space where you feel, it's, it's almost, I think you, actually all three of you identify the place of freedom. This is a place maybe where you feel yourself. I put myself in this space. I put myself in this space. I want everybody to pull into that. And for you, the classroom space, that's important to you. You guys got all planned church together, that's all that I'm saying. <laughs>
Oh yeah, I have a lot of things planned here. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, so this is the overall vision for hospitality um, for um, my life going forward, and it's just arose from a um, having a childhood that was just um, very, very deeply family connected, very, very food connected um, around the table, um, usually kitchen, um, and very musically connected. Um, and then as I've gotten older, I've seen how amazing that gift has been, and also how rare it is. You don't have to listen to me, but I'm like, sure. <laughs> but like, it just has more. As soon as you say the table, then we start to it say, okay, kind, which table? And then we start to think, about, like, I don't know. If I, it sounds like a home. So, if discipling around the table and food and music. Oh, okay. You know, like, it just, it sounds, that's a thought. Yeah. You have to be really assertive, gathering disciples around the table through food and music. Yeah. But the through, the, we're not gathering through food and music. The disciple himself yeah, is going to have and we almost said with food and music, but once again, it's the sort of meditative process itself, not just this instrumentality to your food and music. Yeah. They're, just, they're instrumentally used for the two, the two primary tools. Yeah. It's, an, it's an incredibly compelling image. It's uh, cool. Yeah. The image is so good. The image is so good. I picture like a family around the table after a meal playing songs together. Yeah. And I've had experiences exactly like that.
Okay, well, let's throw it. Okay, um, so this, this phrase kind of comes from a passage of scripture that the Lord gave to me last year while I was leading worship at City of Light. Mm -hmm. um, so this, my domain here is worship in general, both City of Light and Resi. So I was thinking specifically right now more towards Resi mm -hmm. um, and equipping those teams. So it comes from Second uh, Chronicles 20, the story there of um, the Moabites and the Ammonites coming against King Jehoshaphat. Um, and then he he calls all the people to fast, and they basically, uh, in verse 12, he says, um, Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Um, and then uh, they... The Holy Spirit moves among them, and they get this, this vision for what to do. And then in verse 20, it says, uh, As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord, and you will be upheld. Have faith in the prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and the spirit who were invading Judah, and many were just murdered. Um, so yeah, I think a couple things this kind of captures for me in this story is just, one, the notion of worship as contending in a spiritual battle. Um, and kind of the place that musical worship especially has in that of going ahead, mm -hmm. um, of leading prophetically in that. 
And then um, this has to kind of locate what is it reading prophetically and reading this reliance on the power of God. Um, just this notion that there's they're utterly vulnerable, utterly outnumbered, and it's actually directing our attention to God through music, through worship, um, that we can actually receive the power of God. Mm. Um, yeah, and so I think this too has some connection for me because early last year too, Will and I, as we were praying about this word that he wanted Rezi to be kind of this this um, locus for the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And that was something he was leading us to in Rezi. And so just sitting with this passage and thinking about it in context for that, of having music be this place where we can minister to the Lions prophetically. Um, yeah. How are you all? Thoughts, phrases, that engages you in this? nice that you could apply it to several different types of ministries. That you're interested in, you're interested in word ministry, leadership ministry, worship ministry, but I agree. I think thoughts have a, where is that worship component that right now is so Thank you. 